Welcome to another episode on the Unlocking Your Mind podcast. My name's Tom Morgan and I'll be bringing you an array of inspirational stories from people who have achieved amazing things. Each guest offers an interesting insight into the highs and lows they have faced along their path to success. There is definitely a lesson or two in each podcast and ways we can improve our own lives. I hope you enjoy. I'm thrilled to introduce today's guest on the podcast. It is none other than world champion 400 meter hurdler Di Green. Di has had an incredibly decorated career to date. On his list of accolades, he's been world champion, European champion and Commonwealth Games champion. Dai's proudest achievement is winning the gold medal at the 2010 Delhi Commonwealth Games, where he represented Wales. Dai discusses his impressive career. He gives a great insight into the lessons he has learned and how it has made him mentally stronger when facing certain challenges. Dai shares stories from his career, as well as his sporting goals that he has set for the future. It's an incredibly inspiring listen. I really hope you enjoy. Di Green, thank you very much for accepting and coming on the podcast. It's absolutely great to have you here. How are things? Yeah, things aren't too bad. Um, training in general hasn't been okay. I've managed to find access to tracks and things like that. So, uh, no, not as bad as some people have it. So, um, yeah, I'm quite grateful for the situation I'm in, to be honest. Oh, amazing. So, how have you been filling your days bar training? Yeah, so I've pretty much been following my normal routine. Um, I live on a farm, so I've managed to like make a makeshift gym out of uh, concrete blocks and some old weights and dumbbells and things like that. Um, so like, for gym sessions, I've been using that, which is you know it's a privilege given some people's situation. And then the other days, then just doing my normal training on on tracks, which um, which you know are in parks, for example. There's a couple near where I live, so I've just been going there. Um, but other than that, not too much really. Just you know my normal daily routine of uh, training in the morning you know, lunch and relaxing and then some sort of, you know, self-release work, I guess, in terms of like getting rid of uh, tight spots in terms of muscles and then manage my body then for the next day. And then, uh, you know, meal prepping, cooking food, that sort of thing. Um, My partner, she's been home a lot more. She's a teacher, but she's been working from home. So uh, I guess just spending a bit more time with her. Oh, amazing. So how has it been the disappointment of this year having different events cancelled? How has it affected you? it's it's been really disappointing on the whole yeah. it's like 100 percent understandable you know i'm not trying to say it's not of course. understandable it's just uh but yeah when when everything got cancelled which it must have been probably around april time um you know I, I was meant to be in florida at that time so i had my my camp got cancelled like 10 days before i was meant to go to florida i was oh, meant wow. to race in florida train there for the month and then, you know, you kickstart the season, get the season going. And obviously the, the pinnacle of the season would be the Olympics. And then you know, having that delayed another year, it is frustrating. Um, you know, I, 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 it could be a season without any competitions whatsoever, which would be quite sad. Um, it is difficult to train when you don't have a specific goal in mind. Um, usually we're training towards the major championships. Um, I know that there is none this year. It's a bit of a strange situation in that regard. Um, so yeah, not an easy situation for, for track and field athletes to be in. Um, I think some events are handling it easier than others. And mm. um, you know, maybe people who are in a privileged situation and perhaps don't feel the pressure to train maybe as much if they've got sponsorship and, uh, yeah. and you know, funding things like that. So like everyone's situation is very different. Um, um, but yeah, like I said, I've managed to do plenty of training and I'm, I'm hoping to race if there is an opportunity later in the summer. Yeah. So what's your mindset like? Obviously trying so hard 
all this year with training with a you know an, an eye on the olympics and then how do you kind of overcome that disappointment then and immerse yourself in training then for obviously tokyo next year yeah I, you know when you realize the reality of like okay the olympics is going definitely going to be cancelled we knew for about probably two or three weeks that it was happening yeah um when that sort of came up then you could sort of like feel a little bit lost and i'm sure like me and my friends were messaging like oh you know what are we going to do this summer is there going to be any comps but now that we know that it's it's not happening it's easy to deal with it's easy to plan so then you just reset um i would never typically have more than three four weeks off a year so there's no point me not training at the moment Mm -hmm. because then i'll be starting back at a weird time uh, and i don't want to have months off i just need, need to try and stick to the normal routine so the normal routine would be you know, compete in the summer, but also do shorter, faster stuff in the summer. So I don't want to miss out on that as well. So I'm trying to yeah. do the usual work that I would do. I've probably not done as many of the tougher lactic-based sessions because it's just been me on my own. Um, mm-hmm. And usually those sessions are, you need know, a coach with you, you need somebody to run against, somebody to push you. Um, so just trying to sort of, you know, take as many boxes as I can in terms of training, um, in terms of the stuff that I would do. Um, and then get through to the end of the season then and then reset and go again um, as we would normally. Yeah, of course. So I'm going to backtrack just slightly. Where did your journey first begin in athletics that kind of lead you to become a world champion and Commonwealth champion? Uh, so for me, I, I, I did a bit of athletics at primary school, but that was only for the school, really. I didn't mm-hmm. join a club or anything. Um, it was more a case of we just... I was fortunate that I was in a primary school where... Um, our teachers introduced us to different events. I remember doing the high jump. I remember doing hurdles. And I found myself to be okay at hurdles and good at sort of 800 meters and high jump. That's what my events were when I was in primary school. And then I was fortunate that I went to a secondary school that, again, offered different sports um, and certainly you know, a taste of athletics. So the same thing happened. I would play football. I'd play rugby. I'd play everything. Um, football was my main sport. And then with athletics in the summer I would just do that and I find myself to be at a reasonable level Um, and it wasn't until like later on in my teenage years that I started to sort of uh, dive into it a bit more. So how did that take off then for you once you was it in high school that you really took off? Uh, Not really I I was still really good in high school but I I wasn't you know I I don't know if I was the best in Wales or you know I certainly wasn't the best in the UK Mm at, at that point and I didn't really know much about what I was doing I would just turn up to a comp do the best I could I didn't know where I was ranked or anything like that I didn't even know that those rankings existed yeah um, but for me I went to so I did that at school but I still wanted to do football um, and then I, when I went to college I sort of lost my way with sport a bit my friends didn't really do sport as much so I was more sort of finding um, like life in general and you know, getting a part-time job um, going out the weekends, that kind of thing, more socialising than, than playing sport. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I went to university, for me, it went the other way. So I, in college, just when I stopped playing football, I just wasn't enjoying it. I, I left the I left the club I was playing for. So I was playing for Swansea. I got offered like the the contract and everything, but I just turned it down because so I wasn't enjoying my life there. Yeah. Um, so I fell out of love with football. Went to university, and because I knew I didn't want to get a proper job as such, so I went to university and then bumped into one of my friends that I, you would compete against um, on the regular. And he said, oh, why don't you come and join our training group? Went to the training group. Uh, and I remember it was like a hill session. Really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed the vibe. And then like, everyone there was like, okay, we're going we're gonna to go train again tomorrow. 
what are you doing tomorrow? And I was like, oh, well, yeah, I'll do ducks. I enjoy training. I enjoy running. Yeah. And then it just snowballed from there. So going to university meant that I was surrounded by people who were like-minded as me. You know, where I grew up in Llanelli in South Wales, there wasn't many people who would want to train or, or, or do that kind of thing. Um, you know, it's not a track and field isn't that popular down there. So, um, yeah, at uni, I fell in with the right crowd, I guess. Didn't do that socializing lifestyle. I had that out of my system. I was making these new friends within the sport. And then it just sort of, um, year on year, I just got better, um, you know, I guess quite very quickly at that point. Um, and I wasn't playing the other sports. I was focusing solely on athletics. And then at the end of that first year, I was number two junior in Europe. So I knew then that, okay, if I apply myself here, maybe I can make a go of this. Um, so that's yeah. when it kind of like, that's that's the, probably the first time I realized actually I could be quite good at it. Wow. What was it like then back in 2011, the World Championships and, and you win gold? What was that like for you? Um, so the year before I, I'd become European and I'm Commonwealth champion. So I knew yeah. that I had, I had the potential to sort of compete with the best guys in the world. I was top three in the world rank. Yeah. And I'd run really, really well all summer. I'd been in the top three in every race that I'd been in. And so I was consistently sort of in the points, you know, at the thick end of it. And then when we went to the World Champs, um, I went through the first round relatively easily, went through the semi-finals, you know, relatively easily won that. And I thought, right, I've got a seeded lane in the final. Um, you know, I've run well all year. I'm going to be in the top three regardless. It's just whether I can get myself to the top of the podium and um, and yeah I was I was really confident in, in my ability because I'd had success and I trained really hard the last you know few years leading into it yeah um, I'd had a I, I made a world championship final in 2009 and that was kind of my breakthrough year in terms of like world level so I'd gone from being a an average sort of British athlete or a decent British athlete to be a, one of the best in the world in 2009 and I couldn't handle the the increase in level it went so fast that I was like, oh my God, I'm in a world championship final. Um, I was just really stressed going through the rounds because I wasn't expected to get that far. Yeah. Um, and it took a lot out of me like emotionally. So I wasn't at my best in that in 2009 and I finished seventh. And when that, when that finished, when I was over, I remember thinking, God, I, I, I want, you know, I can do better than this if I prepare for it and, you know, train as I have been doing the last year and continue that. I'm going to be in a much better position next time around. So then in 2011, when I'm on the start line, I was super confident in my ability to, to deliver a really strong performance. And I know that nobody else can influence my performance. Um, and I knew that my performances that year have been good enough for top three. And, you know, I've won a lot of races as well. Um, yeah. and, you know, and judging by how the guys were running in the heats and the semis, they, they were about where I thought they were about. They, and, you know, it was just who can execute it really in the final. And, and unfortunate for me, I managed to, to get it right on, on that on that occasion. So you mentioned in 2009, you, were, you found it quite a stressful environment. How did you then overcome, you know, those stresses and, you know, create that mindset where, you know, you could feel like you could take these challenges on? Yeah, so in, in 2009, I remember finishing thinking, wow, it's amazing I made the final, but I've missed yeah. the opportunity to get a medal because I wasn't prepared for it in terms of the mental capacity to handle going through the rounds. Because like in the heats, I had like, the fastest guy in the world and I think the reigning Olympic champion or something. So I, I had to make sure I was on it in the heats. And then I just felt stressed going through each round. Um, and what I found then is the more I compete at the higher level and, and with consistency of training, I just always believed that 
you know, I could produce a really strong performance every time I was on the track um, and not stress maybe about what other people were doing. Um, and once I started to, to win a few more competitions in 2010 and obviously win a championships, even though it was just the Europeans as my first one, it's still, it still takes a certain mindset to, to get to that point where you, you know, you deliver when everyone expected me to win in 2010 in the Europeans. So all I can do is like match what people expect. I can't, if I finish second, it's kind of like, Oh, he didn't win. Um, mm. So, you know, I, I was thrust into that position and because I trained really well, because I, I know I'd worked hard, I knew that I had confidence in, in whatever performance I was going to do. Um, so I think that's how I've managed to turn it around just through you know consistency of training, knowing that I ticked every box um, and then know that I'd raced really well. And then those victories in 2010 helped build that confidence for, for the world challenge then. Yeah. You just develop that mindset just from the lessons you've learned along the way. Is that right? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Uh, I feel like I'm, I'm mentally quite strong. I enjoy competing. Yeah. Um, I would just say that early on in my career, when I left football and went to athletics, I was quite, um, I probably lost a lot of confidence. And it took a few years for that to come back. So, you know, and every step up you make, so you think, okay, I'm one of the best guys in Europe, but I'm only a junior. And then like one of the best under 23 is, but I'm not a senior yet as such. Mm-hmm. I can't compete with the seniors. And then it wasn't until I made my breakthrough that I, you know, could actually be competitive against some of these guys and uh, yeah. you know, and then trying to beat some of the people that you typically watch on TV. Um, you know, it's, it's a big step up and uh, some people can handle it straight away. I certainly couldn't and I needed some time to adjust to it. Um, but then, you know, since then, after those couple of years, I, I, my confidence has been, um, has been really high ever since then, I guess. Um, and that self-belief and stuff, um, you know, I guess all those skills I've learned have stayed with me, even though I haven't been at my best the last few years. Yeah. What would you say is the best thing about doing what you do? Um, the best thing is that I, the best thing about it is that I love what I do. So whatever yeah. job, I always say like whatever job you want to do, if you don't love it, you're not going to enjoy it. And I, I have days when I have really hard track sessions and, uh, you know, granted I get to travel the world and stuff, but if I'm not fit and healthy and training well, I don't enjoy my life as much. Like it's the main thing that brings enjoyment to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and, and, and I'm fortunate that I found that in my life, whereas for somebody else, they might not find that. Um, yeah. And if, you, if you're not enjoying it, you won't be good at it. And that's, that's like a really simple thing to say especially in sport if you don't love what you do then you're not going to apply yourself as much um, yeah. and then you just do you know you're going to sell yourself short and you should always try and do the one thing that you you, you know you love and for me like it's athletics i love training i love racing uh, and if i can't do that then all the other bonuses of, of whatever that brings is um it doesn't really matter yeah and i just want to allude to injuries every athlete has them so how did you deal with the disappointment of obviously missing out on Rio in 2016 how did you overcome that disappointment yeah so I've had a string of injuries over the last few years uh, yeah. I pretty much had like some bad surgery and then uh, subsequently I had more surgeries to correct issues around that yeah. um, and then when you come in it culminated in like three years of different surgeries and then I had to have like a year out of the sport pretty much um, around around just after Rio, I think, because uh, I was pushing and pushing to try and get back, but my body just wasn't right. Um, yeah, how do I deal with it? I guess 
you just try and goal set a lot smaller. So, you know, I know that I've got the ability to be one of the best in the world. That hasn't gone away. Yeah. It's just having to, having to stack the blocks of training together to get back there. Um, and I know the recipe to get there. Um, so now I need to try and find a way to get to that sort of, you know, to get to that route as, as it were. So for me, it was about setting small goals and then maybe in my head just thinking, right, I want to get back on track and compete regularly. That's a big thing because I get enjoyment from competing. Um, so yeah, goal setting is the main thing, but start small, work your way up and, and short-term goals rather than long-term ones. Um, yeah, I've had, I've had a few issues the last couple of years, but it's been after that year off, I think I, I've lost so much in that one year that I needed to get back and, and build again. So the last three years, I feel like I've been getting stronger each year. And you know, even though I'm 34 at the moment, this year of training until this point has been the best of any in my last probably seven years um, in terms of consistency and the sessions I'm doing, the times I'm running and things like that. So yeah. even though I'm older, it's just that I've managed to get my body back in, a, in, in the right spot. And, you know, it's difficult to, it's difficult to, to gauge how much it took in the first place to get me to where I needed to be in 2011. I obviously had two or three years at the peak of my game in terms of challenging the best in the world. You know, and to, to go back in one season or two seasons can be very difficult. So you have to try and uh, try and be realistic and, and, and sort of you know, go one step at a time, really. Yeah. Do you think that's the hardest part about doing what you do is those injuries and those setbacks to try and get back to the heights of what you know you're capable of? Yeah, it, it is. An, it is an athletics because you can't rely on anyone else. So like, yeah. If I'm if I'm half a second off, it's it's such a big chunk of time. You know, yeah. Four hundred meters, half a second is a huge amount of time. Um, and it might not sound like much, but if you're half a second off and all your reps all the time, then you're just going to be slower. Um, so, yeah, and I can't rely on any teammates because athletics is an individual sport. So, mm. um, And there is no hiding spot. So if you do put yourself on a start line and you know at your best, then it shows. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think you know, overcoming injuries is, is the hardest part of, uh, of things. And I would say that um, in, in athletics, our sport is probably a little bit guilty of assuming that the younger person coming through or the next person in the conveyor belt is going to be just as good, if not better. And I've probably suffered a little bit because of that. So when I've had my injuries, I think um, people who maybe would have supported me or you know, British athletics and people like that, I've, I've often perhaps thought, oh, we've got these other guys coming through. We'll just support them rather than, you know, you've got somebody who's achieved something here. Why yeah. can't we just get them back to where they need to be? Um, because it's like I said, it's not as easy as just being fit and healthy. You have to be able to mentally have the capacity to compete against these guys as well. Absolutely. So, do you have a proudest sporting achievement? Uh, yeah, my proudest sporting achievement is my uh, Commonwealth Games uh, gold medal for Wales. And I'm not yeah. just saying that because I'm Welsh; it's because <laughs> of the circumstances leading into it. Yeah. So um, all season I'd run really well. I'd beaten the best guys in the world. I was ranked number one or two, I think, in the world. Um, going to the Commonwealth Games, I'm the fastest on paper by a good seven, eight tenths. So, you know, I'm, I'm coming from Wales. There's not that many athletes expected to win gold either. So, you know, everyone assumes that I'm just going to win. Yeah. And when we're in the holding camp, which was in like Doha or somewhere like that, I collapsed on the track and had to get taken to hospital and then ended up spending a week in my in my room um, just with some sort of illness that I couldn't seem to shake. And then about five days out, then we go to Delhi and I'm slowly sort of, you know, coming to, 
and I ended up doing like one 200 meter run, I think, in the pair of spikes over like five hurdles um, the day before my, my, my heat. And then I ran the heat and I just didn't know what shape I was going to be in. Mm-hmm. Luckily, I ran the heat, uh, ran the heat and won the heat. And I was absolutely knackered running like 49.8 or something. Something that's not too, not too fast for me. And uh, considering that I'd run 47.8 that year already. So I'd run 49.8, absolutely shattered, went back to my room, slept for like three or four hours. Don't know why I was so tired. This was the middle of the day. Um, and then the next day we had the final. So, you know, going into a final, knowing that you've just suffered um, massively running a 49.8. I yeah. didn't know what my body could do. I just had to sort of focus on delivering a good performance and not thinking, oh, am I still feeling rough? Oh, am yeah. I still feeling achy? Will I, won't I? I had to believe that I could do it. So I went out and I ran a, a really strong race. I led from pretty much gun to tape. It was close at the end, but I had enough. And um, that, that showed me that I was mentally a lot tougher than I was, you know, a year before or, you know, at any point in my, in my life really handling that sort of setback, the expectation of it all and being able to focus on my, uh, on my competition and just delivering a good strong race. And, uh, and yeah, because of those circumstances, that's probably my proudest that I've been. Wow. And do you think the lessons you've learned before that's made you mentally stronger, you know, gave you that mindset that you thought it's almost mind over matter, you know, I'm going to do this. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, like, you know, I, I felt like nobody could beat me that year. I felt like you know, I would turn up at the Commonwealth and I would win and I would be consistent and you yeah. know, it wouldn't be a problem. Like I could deliver it. Um, but yeah, given like injuries I'd had early in my career, the setback in 2009 when I didn't get what I wanted in that final, you know, yeah. all those things and the amount of training that I accumulated gives you a lot of confidence then that you know what, I know I've trained harder than these guys. I know I'm in better shape. Um, even if I'm not at my best, I'm still going to beat these guys. And that sort of self-belief sort of, you know, has come around in those years, really. Yeah, definitely. Um, do you have any advice for someone who's an aspiring athlete or an athlete at the moment that, you know, that you think they'd really benefit from, from the lessons you've obviously learned? Yeah, that's a good question. I would say that, um, especially for kids, primary and secondary is to play as many different sports as you can um what we find it certainly as athletes is that loads of our training that we do overlaps with other people's training like mm-hmm. it's it's very skill orientated I and mean, granted like you know you're gonna if you're a sprinter you're gonna sprint if you're a long distance runner you're gonna do long distance work yeah. but the point being that skills are very transferable so for me um I taught myself to use my left foot because Ryan Giggs was my hero growing up, being from Wales. And yeah. um, when it came to hurdling, I could hurdle on both legs because I had that coordination I gained from football. Mm-hmm. And I mean, some of the top of, uh, athletes in the world at the moment are athletes who used to do multi-events. Obviously, multi-events, you're doing throws, you're doing jumps, you're doing all sorts. Um, so, yeah, I would say that to anybody is, is just play as many different sports as you can, learn as many different skills as you can. Because yeah. once you start specialising, it's just you will lose things that you would have gained earlier on. So um, yeah, don't worry about specialising until later on. Um, the best athletes aren't the ones who are the fastest at 14, 15 years old. Trust me, um, it doesn't work <laughs> like that. Um, it's the ones who can learn skills, develop skills, and and adjust and adapt and grow. Um, you know, when they become an adult, it doesn't really matter what you do before then. To be honest. 
good advice. And my last question, what do you think are the key ingredients to becoming an elite athlete like yourself? Uh, again, it's a good question. Um, I think one of the big things is that, you know, it takes a lot of hard work to get there, regardless yeah. of what sport you do. You can't expect to, like, you can't expect to beat Usain Bolt if you're doing less training than Usain Bolt. You know, if Usain Bolt is the most talented person in the world at sprinting, you're not going to beat him by doing less than him. You have to, you know, to at least match him. Um, and that goes for any sport you're doing. There's always somebody who's going to be super talented who, who can maybe get away with it. But when you get to a World or Olympic final or you know, a Champions League final, whatever it is, everybody's talented. They've all been that talented kid in their class, that in their school, in their county, in their country. Yeah. They're all super talented. Nobody gets to that level if they're not talented. Um, what separates people at that level is hard work and then the, then the mental aspect as well. Um, so, yeah, I would just say this, work hard, be consistent, don't feel like setbacks are the end of the world, learn from them, yeah. um, you know, and don't expect things too soon. If you just continue to apply yourself regularly, then you'll get results eventually. Great advice, great advice. And Dai, thank you for your time today. It's been amazing to listen to your journey and listen to, you know, advice you have for, you know, aspiring athletes and anyone who's, you know, a big supporter of you, like, everyone in wales is so thank you no i appreciate it thanks for getting in touch matt um hope you uh hope the rest of lockdown goes okay for you thank you thank you again to Di for sharing his incredibly inspiring story on the podcast today you know listening to stories from someone who's been a world champion is just incredible it's inspiring and it's empowering and I'm sure it can help motivate a lot of people to go out there and chase their goals and dreams. I especially liked his advice on the importance of working hard and not taking talent for granted. I think that's such a strong message that you've always got to have a strong work ethic and not take anything for granted. This can be the same in any part of life, even if you're not an athlete and it's work or anything. You've just got to put in the work and not take anything for granted. So thank you again. If you like this episode, please feel free to give it a like, give it a share. I hope you enjoyed. Thank you again. Have a great day.